This is an ABC podcast. Our story starts with Hanuch. So once you hear the adults saying Hanuch, there's going to be a storytelling session. And so as soon as I say Hanuch, the audience will have to say Ma, as in we agree. It's a communal family thing. So when I say Hanuch, Hilda... I'll say Ma. Yes, you got it. For as long as people have been on the planet, storytelling has been key to our survival. It's used to entertain and delight us, warn us of dangers, and to keep us connected to our past. In the modern world, we tell these stories through books and films, and podcasts, of course. And it might seem as though the tradition of oral storytelling has been lost. But throughout the Pacific... We still gather as a family to listen to our elders, often our mother or grandmother, tell the stories that our ancestors told to their children. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about the art of storytelling in the Pacific. I remember a Tumbuna story or traditional story from my Apuri, or maternal grandmother from Sag Valley in the Enga province. That's a pond that we used to go to fetch water as kids, and around that pond, there were lots of taro. Apuri said long time ago, a mother and her only son were harvesting taro in their garden, and the son asked his mom for the biggest and best taro from the harvest. But the mom told him he wouldn't have it, as she was taking the best harvest back to the village for the chief. On the way home, the son was crying and asking his mom for the taro. Eventually, his tears gathered into a small pool of water, and he turned into a taro beside that pool. When his mom turned around and saw what happened to the son, she also cried and turned into a taro. The pond is still in the village, and lots of beautiful taro plants grow around it. There are stories like this still being told throughout the Pacific. Today I want to hear the stories of three Pacific cultures and learn about the role that women have played in telling those stories. Papa Li'i Momoi Von Raiki is a Samoan poet, artist and renowned storyteller. She's working on a paper on the importance of oral narratives. She's especially interested in how creation stories have shaped indigenous cultures. I think it's very important. These are stories that it's our way of seeing the world, knowing about it. Oral narratives will have to live on. We have to persist and insist on telling these to our children. Otherwise, they'll be lost forever. The creation stories, those are the beginning of all our whangongo, the stories that we tell our children at nighttime. We call them nighttime stories, whangongo. These are how our values are built, you know. Because I was brought up on the whangongo and brought up on indigenous narratives and stories. And that's how I learned how to be um, aware of the beauty of the world around me, especially our nature, surrounds, and also our own morals, um, aspects like uh, respect, and our relationships with each other. And also look at the interconnectedness of things. You know, we don't isolate ourselves from what's around us. We do not. We are very much part of our environment. 
And that's why I feel that these stories are very important. Today, you have to really relook at how we narrate. Because narration, you are hitting the sense of hearing. Today, everyone is looking at your telephone and also there's so much visual visual effects and visual storytelling out there. So we need to really relook really at how we tell stories, look at it from a, a more contemporary point of view because there's so much technology now, but stories still need to be told. You have to weave the stories around the new technologies. You really have to get their attention. I think it's the way you tell the story and it's the way you intone words and the way you act the story out because when you're actually telling the story, kids are looking at you and they're listening at the same time. So you, you have your eyes, the whole senses are all, you know, attuned to what you're going to say. So I, I think it's very important that you should know how to, to voice the story and to tell in such a way that's very convincing. My grandmother's sister was blind. She was the storyteller. So what we used to do was take the poor old lady to my cousin's house for the night. And after she tells the story there, then we say, okay, it's our turn. So, we, you know, it's like a television station being passed around our village and our neighborhood. This was like the essence of watching a television show. It's listening to these stories. You know, imagine in the dark, you listen to the old storyteller telling you about fairy tales of faraway lands and all sorts of fantasy things that you'd never see, but you see in your mind's eye. And then when I grew up, I started telling stories to my children and they love it. They love listening to the adventures of, you know, the gecko and the, the lizard. We call them a pili and the moor. The pili is a lizard and the moor is a gecko. So they have adventures. Those are just simple stories that you tell the little ones, huh? but, you know, not the heavy uh, legends Later on at nighttime with the, uh, the old people that would listen into the legends and the fairy tales. And when the Palangis, the white man, introduced their literature to us, their fairy tales were all intertwined with our own uh, indigenous stories. So it makes it more richer and much more exciting. The most essential person to pass those stories on are we, the women of the world. Because we are the nurturers of children and babies. And you can't nurture a baby without telling a story or singing a lullaby. You have to tell those stories. So that's why women, this is their role. They really need to really just settle down, find a time, tell a story. Whatever stories, we all have stories. Every day is a story. Every new beginning is a story. That's why women are so, so vital. That's their role. Do you have a story to tell us? Okay, uh, it's from the creation. I think uh, our God, the God, Tangaloa, before he created, there was a big void. But then there were, he created a rock, or then he turned around and made more rocks. So six of those rocks were men rocks, and one was a female. So then the female had to go and find a rock that can be her mate. So... Then he went to one mountain, that one disregarded her. The next mountain, he did too. And then he went to the third mountain. 
the third mountain realized, hmm, she's a girl rock, but I can't see any other parts of her that will tell me that she's a woman. So he had uh, the tail of a stingray up in the rafters of his house. So he grabbed that one and hit the rock. So it split her wide open. Then he realized, oh gosh, she is a beautiful woman. Now I'll have her as my wife. So they lived together and they had a beautiful daughter. She was the West Wind, Taufale uh, Matangi. And then, you know, uh, a young man came to ask her in marriage. He was uh, the god of lakes. They had the first child, was a half serpent, half man. It's like a monster, really, that they put him into the sea just outside where they lived. So every time they had a child, this uh, monster would come out of the sea and call out, Oh, I can smell a new baby. Can I have it? Let me have a look and check him up. So he would gobble them up until one day they had a child and they thought, Oh, we're not going to let him have this one. We're going to go deep into the forest and live there. And this particular young man was very fond of surfing on land using barks of banana trees. And that was the first Samoan surfer. <laughs> but the story goes on. I mean, it's a very long story, but it's a beautiful story. Because uh, the, the surfer eventually gave birth to the Siamese twins that brought the tattoo tools from Fiti, not Fiji, from Fiti, Utah, which is in the Manua Islands. And that's why Tatu was spread around Samoan Islands. So it's a very long story, Hilda. I can't tell you the story, but I most certainly will find a, a place and time to tell it to you or pass the story on to you later. Thank you so much. That was so much fun to listen to, even though it was just a brief and it's full of richness. That was someone poet and storyteller Papali'i Momoi Von Raiki. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Moira Wilsoni Randuva is a Ratuman storyteller from Nandi in Fiji. She told me storytelling, or Anuchu, as it's called in Rotuman, is about so much more than speaking. It's also about showing. So, yes, we do have uh, oral storytelling, but we also um, show it through our actions, um, our art, music, and that's how we look at storytelling. What special role do women play in storytelling? During my grandparents' and great-grandparents' time, women had a very huge role uh, in, in these storytelling spaces. They were the ones that uh, held families together and, and in our Rutuman culture and our spaces at home where we have storytelling um, as a norm. Uh, you know, our older women were the ones who bring everybody together and start telling us stories then it gets passed from their generation to another generation and then to the next. So they have that sort of power in their stories to bring families together and and not just tell us a story, but the stories are connected to our values, our beliefs and our custom and traditions and culture. 
So I, I link it to traditional knowledge as well, because when we have uh, those storytelling spaces, they would be doing something, um, you know, either weaving a basket or making a traditional garland, uh, fans, weaving fans. So every strand of weaving, whether it's a basket, a mat, or a fan, has a connection to the stories that they tell us. What I've experienced, I try to uh, bring it to my kids now. And I thought they would find it boring. You know, kids nowadays, they've got <laughs> yeah. social media, they've got so many things to distract them. But I find that my kids enjoy those special moments where I would ask them, do you want mommy to tell you a story? And they always ask me, can you tell us an old Rotuman story? So as soon as I say Hanuch and the girls say Ma, I just take off from there and, and bits and pieces of folktale or a story related to a family or fishing, farming, I pass it down to them. And if the story involves some singing, the kids love uh, listening to those and they would ask questions. That is so beautiful. I can just, your daughters are amazing, really busy till they spend time to listen to the storytelling. And that's beautiful to hear. You have a really special bond with your paternal grandfather. Tell us a bit more about um, that and how that influenced your life. I grew up following him around. I would travel with him to his plantation and every fruit that he picks, there's a story behind it. He was a good fisherman and he was a very, very good storyteller. Uh, I always refer to him as Lord Jim. And uh, I think he was born with uh, extra DNA for um, a gift of the gap. Being the eldest grandchild, I think I had that very special bond with him. He had time. He had all the time to uh, stop whatever he was doing, explain to me whatever the 101 questions I would bombard him with. When we were rowing out to the reef to fish, he would tell me the seasons, when it's a good time to go out to the reef for borehole uh, fishing, line fishing, spear fishing. He would tell me stories of how Rotuma was created, um, the story of how fire came to be in Rotuma, things that you don't learn in the classroom. And that to me was an encyclopedia of knowing the unwritten things that we appreciate now. That's beautiful. Now to the fun part, do you have a story you'd like to share with us? Oh, I have a lot of stories, but yeah. I... <laughs> if you have one of your favorites, yeah, we'd really love to hear it. So when I say Hanuch, Hilda. I'll say Ma. Ma, yes, you got it. Hanuch Akya. So I'm telling... Um, the story now. Um, this is a story that is uh, very popular and one of the many, many stories that kids, we grew up to loving to hear because it has this powerful character, uh, which was a woman. And she wasn't just a powerful character, but she was a very caring, also conniving in the sense that she's a survivor and she managed to sing her way out of being eaten by this monster of a giant. Uh, so the story is about Kirkir Sasa. Rotuman listeners would identify with this story. Kirkir Sasa had two grandchildren, a girl and a boy. One day, the 
kids wandered off. They were foraging for food and were caught by a giant. And, you know, stories have it that giants loved eating children. So he kept these two kids and he had prepared himself a good meal uh, before capturing the kids. So he kept them for another meal. So the, the, the children's grandmother, Kirkirsasa, went out looking for them. And when she finally found them, she had to bargain and negotiate with this giant. The giant saw something that Kirkirsasa never thought was important. The giant saw Kirkirsasa's tattoos on her armpits. And so he asked Kirkirsasa if Kirkirsasa can entertain while he would think about the uh, negotiations or the discussions that he had with Kirkirsasa. Now, Kirkirsasa, being the smarter woman, immediately thought of how she could entertain and capture her grandchildren from the giant. So she went ahead and prepared a uh, lovo. She dug a hole in the ground, got some stones, lit the fire, and had the rocks really, really hot. And she started to sing and dance, and she would slap her armpit, her left armpit with her right hand, and she would sing, chau kirikiri, and she was literally showing off her tattoos. And so she continued singing and tapping her armpits while the stones were burning. Eventually, the giant asked Kirkirsasa if he could have the same tattoos. And Kirkirsasa said, sure, you can have the same thing, but the process is very, very deadly, literally. But the giant insisted, thinking that because he was a giant and Kirkirsasa was a, you know, a smaller woman, uh, he could take the pain. So Kirkirsasa said, okay, you know, you have to lie down and spread your arms. I'll have to tie your arms. And she went ahead and tied the giant's arms, the giant's legs. And then she told the giant, I'm going to tattoo your, your armpits. And instead of marking with the real tattooing process, she got those red hot burned stones and shoved it up the, um, the giant's armpits. And that's how she managed to get her grandchildren out of harm's way. And eventually the giant died at the end of the story. Would you like me to end it in uh, Rutuman? Yes, please. In the beginning, we say Hanuj. So when we're ending the story, we say, It means that's the end. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me in your program. I I enjoyed sharing that. And I know uh, if I had time, I would have uh, sang the song that Kirkir Sasa did. Oh, wow. How long is the song? Oh, it's it's just two, three verses. So it goes, Chau kiri kiri emu anasauka uwaka uwa. And that you, you just keep repeating that. And my kids love it. I, I'm sure every Rotuman kid loves it when their grandmoms sing and, and, and perform their armpit slapping. <laughs> <laughs> this is fascinating. Moira, thank you again so much for making time for us and sharing your beautiful stories with us. Thank you. Thank you, Susa. That was the beautiful Moira Wilsoni Randuva a Rotuman storyteller from Nandi in Fiji. 
Another important function of storytelling is to teach children about the environment, living in harmony with the land, and avoiding the dangers of their surroundings. Dr. Rona Nandile is a well-known retired civil servant in Milan Bay in Papua New Guinea, and when she was growing up, fishing, hunting, foraging, and playing in the bush and by the sea went end-in-end with traditional stories of the land. But she worries that these stories are no longer being shared with children. Today, this storytelling is missing. It's missing in the schools, missing in the families. When I went to school, the old man used to come and tell us stories and legends about our island and uh, the chiefs and the sorcerers and uh, witches. And they would tell us uh, who was there and who was, why in the rock is there and why and there's a hole in the rock or why there's um, there two piles of rocks. They were building to, towards uh, Samurai Island to join our island to Samurai. And then someone disturbed them and they stopped and they didn't uh, complete the building. So every story they tell, there's some evidence of something. And part of it is to warn us to behave ourselves and how we carry on our life in the village because uh, of those uh, things that can happen. Some people, um, they just laugh at them and uh, they ridicule them, but really these stories are, are very important. With a good or bad, we learn these things from the legends that we, we tell. I am from Western Islands and uh, my mom is from Enga province and there's sort of different, we call it story tumbuna or, mm, you know, yes, legends yes. from different from tribe to tribe. But basically it's about our earth, how we live in harmony with the land and so forth. Are traditional stories different from one tribe to another in Milan Bay? Yes, that's correct. They're different and uh, also uh, anything that comes out of the tribe or the clan you don't go and use some other people's magic things. If they say you, you take this leaf or you take that, you, this is good for you, we don't because uh, you don't know whether it's good or bad. Sometimes uh, they tell you to take it and then evil spirit is in that in that particular plant or whatever. Yeah, so we be careful also about using other people's things. It's safe to use your own that kind of uh, cultural respect and honor we give to our ancestors. Mm. We women, we are like the heart of the home. And uh, are these are there stories of women and their importance to family and community as well in Millen Bay? Yes. The story that I'm going to tell you uh, today is about a woman. It's about a bird, a black crow, and its human girl child. Long ago, there lived a female bird called Ao Ao, a black crow in one of the Samurai Islands in the Milne Bay province, Papua New Guinea. One day, one of the Ao Ao's eggs hatched. And instead of Ao Ao baby bird, it turned out to be a human baby girl. And all the children, when we were listening to this story, all the children were happy about this story when it was told like that. And a bird egg turned out to be a, a, a baby girl. Ao Ao has no breath to feed the human baby girl. So it used to go to nearby people's gardens and pick ripe bananas or ripe purples and feed the human baby girl until she grew, she grew strong and healthy and 
she grew into a beautiful Hasara. Hasara is a young girl, teenage girl. And her breast began to grow and she was becoming really beautiful. And uh, uh, they said uh, her breasts were sitting. They were not saggy like old ladies. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And then uh, I, I went to a nearby village and picked up a grass skirt belonging to a village girl so I could dress the girl. Then there was low tide one day and the reef on the island was quite dry and the girl decided to go go what we call kamuyawa. Kamuyawa is like wading on the reef to collect seashells and fish and octopus and other seafoods. And while she was wading on the reef doing her kamuyawa, a group of young men and their elders came to the island to fish. When they saw the girl, their elder uncle said to the young men, whoever ran fast and catch the girl, take her and let her become your wife. So among the young men, there was one smart one, and he ran so fast and beat all the others and grabbed the girl, held her, and, and so she became his wife and he took her home as his wife. The mother Ao Ao followed where the daughter uh, and her husband lived and, and sat on top of the dead roof of their house. Day and night, sun and rain, wind, whatever, the Ao Ao would sit there and would cry like this. Sine natuna, tau natuna, bayo bayo, ao, ao. And it will go on and on. Sine natuna, tau natuna, bayo bayo, ao, ao. Is she a man, a woman's child or a man's child? She's only a bird's child, ao, ao's child. And when we children had, um, mother or grandmother who tell the story, we would cry and cry over the bird crying. One day, there arose a storm. Heavy rain and uh, thunder and storm and wind across the island. And Ao Ao was not taken into shelter. And Ao Ao died on top of the roof. Again, when we children had death, we would cry. Cry for Ao Ao. The daughter then took her mother, Ao Ao, from the roof and buried it near their house. That's the end of that story. Uh, the moral of the story was the children to be aware and be kind to nature and their environment. Whether the sea or the, the gardens or where they live, they need to take care of what's around them. And two is to be kind and helpful to their mothers. Thank you very much for the opportunity to tell this story. The village where this story was uh, told is called Kualausai. Kualausai village on Sariba Island. Yeah, so that's where I spent much of my childhood growing up. Beautiful. So the bush and the river and the sea became very important to my growing up, yes. That is fascinating, Auntie Rona. Thank you so much. 
That was Dr. Rona Nandile from Milin Bay in Papua New Guinea. Thanks to all my guests today, Auntie Rona, Moira Vilsoni Randuva, and Papali'i Momoi Von Raiki. Their stories were wonderful, and I hope they love telling them as much as you and I loved hearing them. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, learning to read as an adult is challenging, but it's also empowering. The program helped me to improve my English, and it also helped me to teach my daughter to be a good reader and sound words properly. And it helped me to apply for a job and find a real job. We'll talk about adult literacy next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented and produced by me, Hilda Wayne. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunzner. Our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol you next time.